Welcome to the Faith Cup Podcast. We are glad you are here today. May God bless you in order for you to be a blessing to those around you. So today we are going to be wrapping up our series on navigating life's transitions. And I, I've talked with quite a few of you over the recent weeks, and uh, many of you have expressed how significant this series has been for your lives. Uh, but I also recognize that because of uh, me being gone last week, and I, a huge thanks to Magdiel Czech who came and uh, preached for us two weeks ago. For, for some of you, it might feel like this series is getting a little bit disjointed, uh, and so we're going to try and wrap it up today and bring it to a close as we uh, uh, conclude the story of the transition in Peter's life. Uh, but I also want to say a huge thank you to um, the worship team for filling in last week and leading an interactive prayer time with you all. That was a huge gift, and uh, I heard that that was a special time together. And also for Lindsay Watson, uh, who is here to help launch our Chosen Sunday as well. Uh, really appreciate her. Uh, in order to try and maintain some continuity, uh, we're going to wrap up today because next Sunday is our candidating Sunday where Dean Sewell, who is our candidate for the Associate Pastor of Family Ministries, is going to be here with his wife, Abby, and his daughter, Lydia. And at 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon, here at the church, we're going to have an all-church gathering where you can come and you can meet them, and there will be an interactive time, and we'll have a chance for a Q&A and to find out more about who they are uh, and their stories. And then on that Sunday, next Sunday, Dean is going to bring the message. He's going to preach for us, so you won't want to miss... Uh, uh, being here next Sunday for that as well. But even in the midst uh, of all of the things going on in life and in ministry and uh, all of the things that we're struggling with, we know that God is with us. And that is one of the, the things that we want to take away from this transition series, is that even though we find ourselves in times where we're confused and we're not sure where God is, uh, we're, we're wondering whether he is still with us or where he's leading us. We can have faith and trust that if we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, who's the author and the perfecter of our faith, the Bible says, that he will lead us on the path of his choosing for our lives. So in that spirit, I want to invite you to pray with me again today and to ask God to lead us into this time of looking into his word. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are not a God who is silent, but you are a God who speaks. You have spoken through your people and you've spoken through your word. You speak through your spirit and we invite you today again to speak your word to each one of us. Speak that word that we need to hear, that we know uh, that it's not my words, God, but it's your words coming through the message today, inviting us to be inspired and challenged by your invitation to live into the calling and the blessing of life that you have given us through your son, Jesus, who gave his life so that we might have life and have it in abundance. We ask this in his name. Amen. So in navigating life's transitions, we've been exploring how we can understand more that transition is the periodic process that God uses to adapt us to life changes in ways that help align us with his work and his will in our lives. Looking at the, a major transition in the life of the Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 10, and, and also looking at Terry Walling's book called Stuck, Navigating the Transitions of Life and Leadership, we've identified that almost every transition has a similar life 
cycle and typically progresses through four stages. You have the entry stage that we often kind of uh, get there with, without even realizing it. One day we kind of realize, hey, something's going on. Uh, maybe we're in this uh, season that we're, we're not in control of anymore, and maybe God is doing a new work in our life, which then leads us into evaluation where we begin to look back at where we've come from, and God invites us to do some work internally to, to say, what, what does he ask us to wrestle with or to change or to grow? grow in and through, which then if we are willing to do that work leads us into alignment. And you have those twin arrows that, that often the most time in transition is spent going back and forth between evaluation and alignment where God does his slow intentional work. Sometimes in transition, God does his deepest work in our life to develop us and to grow our character and ultimately then to lead us into a new direction and an understanding of his call on our lives. We've also identified that times of transition can often be times when we begin to feel stuck, right? In, in his book, Terry Walling says, the real risk in the midst of a transition is that you can plateau in your development. You can actually stop growing in your spiritual life. And yet we also come to realize that sometimes when it feels like we are experiencing a breakdown it can be because God is wanting to lead us to experience a breakthrough. God wants us to, to understand that if we're willing to, to put our trust in Him and to allow Him to do His work in us, that He will open the doors to a new understanding and a new sense of direction that He has for us. And these breakthrough moments come when we move from the alignment stage into the direction stage that God begins to reveal for us in His way and in His time. And so as we wrap up the series today, we're going to walk with Peter through these last two phases of transition. As God leads him through a breakthrough moment and he discovers a new direction that God wants to lead him into that he has been preparing him for in his life. Now, we saw in the beginning of Acts chapter 10, to catch you up if you haven't been a part of the series so far, how God was challenging Peter to expand his understanding of the kingdom of God, but also to understand how God was expanding his role within the kingdom of God through a vision of all kinds of animals that were lowered down from heaven on a sheet and the command to Peter to kill and to eat these animals, God was challenging Peter to explore his own values and convictions and to be open to the new leading that God was wanting him to consider. We also learned how Peter's posture of prayer and intentionally staying connected to God through the Holy Spirit allowed him to, to have cl the clarity to hear the voice of God in his life and to be ready to receive the new understanding that God had for him. But we also know that it wasn't easy. Right? He, had to, he had to wrestle with these things that God was giving him. He had to, he had to reflect on them and he had to, uh, to, to ask God, what is this that you really have for me? What am I supposed to take away from this message that I hear you saying to me? And so we understand through Peter's experience that transition is a work of God processing our thoughts and our emotions within us so that we can come to fully understand better where he is leading now, he also said that unknown to Peter at the time, God had been preparing a new relationship for him, 
right, in the person of Cornelius, who was a, a Roman centurion whom God had prompted through a vision of his own to send for Peter to come to him and explain the good news message of Jesus. And when we were last in the story, the men from Cornelius had arrived at Peter's house, and Peter realized that something was afoot, <laughs> and he invited them in to stay with him, which, again, a good Jew never would have invited Gentiles into his house. So we pick up the story in verse 23 of Acts chapter 10, where, again, it says, Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. And then it goes on to say, the next day, Peter started out with them. And some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived at Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. He's, he's got a crowd ready to meet Peter. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence, but Peter made him get up and stand up, he said, I'm, I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people, and he said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. Now let's pause there in the story. We'll pick it up again in just a minute. But here, I want to suggest that what we can see happening in Peter's story is that he has clearly entered into the alignment stage of his transition. God has revealed to him that he is challenging Peter to explore a change in his personal convictions about Gentile people and, and that are convictions that will lead to a change in his choices and behavior in his life. And Peter is now recognizing that this is an opportunity that God is putting in front of him as a test to see if he's willing to respond to God's leading in obedience, to the new direction that God is wanting him to pursue, to see if he's willing to align himself with God's calling and God's purpose in his life. Now, Peter entered into the transition with one type of perspective, right? But now God has revealed to him a new perspective that directly changes how he should act and operate in his ministry that God is calling him to pursue. And we can see that Peter himself acknowledges that he had already done the work of working through his resistance to what God was speaking into his life, and he's overcome the obstacles to his obedience, right? Let's go back to verse 28, where he says, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit with a Gentile, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. One perspective, changed by God to another perspective. And then he says, so when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection, which led to his obedience. See, breaking through a time of transition often includes new places and new faces and new choices that God invites us to pursue. For Peter to enter the home of a person whom his own community would call a Gentile dog... And for Cornelius to acknowledge a, a God who was in direct opposition to his own commander-in-chief, right, Caesar, who at that time was considered a, a small-g God himself, was likely to be a little bit awkward for both of them. 
And so prior to God's work of transition in Peter's life, Peter and the other Jewish Christians who were with them would never have agreed to go and see Cornelius, would never have agreed to enter into his house and to to have fellowship with all of these people that Cornelius had invited over to his home. Peter's presence in the home of Cornelius communicates a radical adjustment of his attitude towards the people that God was calling him to serve. And we see that the wall between Jews and Gentiles begins to crumble at this point in the story as these two men both respond in obedience to God's new direction and revelation in their lives. And so when we understand the nature and the purpose of how God uses transition in our lives, we begin to realize that every person who we come across may play an important role in God's plan to reveal his desire for where he's leading us. In moving from the stage of alignment into new direction, God often uses other people as what we might call divine contacts, right? Sometimes we might be entertaining angels unaware. I mean, what is an angel? It's a a messenger of God. Do you realize that, that other people in in that sense, can be an angel to you, can be a a, a messenger of God to you, and they might not even realize it. But God can be putting people into your path and into your life that he's inviting you to wrestle with how God might be calling you to, to serve them and to interact with them in ways that bring a greater revelation of what God has been doing in preparing you for the next step in your life and in your ministry with Jesus. Now, we're going to talk more about divine contacts in the direction phase, but but for now, in the alignment phase, I want to suggest that it's really important that we first understand that every transition will contain defining moments. Especially in the alignment phase, we come to God opening up defining moments in our lives. And it's in these moments that a Christ follower has to once again affirm his allegiance to Christ to Jesus' purposes and to his calling in our lives. Even if we don't have answers come as quickly as we think they should, the process of affirming our allegiance to Jesus often involves the act of surrender. And Terry Walling says that everybody wants revelation, but very few people want surrender. But it's the act of surrender to God. It's the act of surrendering to Christ again in our lives that begins to provide the seedbed for the new direction that he has to emerge. Walling says that in the alignment stage, every believer will reach a crisis of belief. By this, he means that these defining moments take a person back to that moment of first giving control of one's life to Jesus and one's future to God. It's a challenge to remember that commitment, he says, that was made in the very beginning when we accepted Christ as our Lord and as our Savior, and a question of whether or not we are willing to once again give our lives back to God in that same way in this new season that is ahead. Which really leads us to what I want to suggest is our first takeaway for today, and is that alignment is all about surrender. Alignment is all about surrender. It requires a willingness to accept God's plan and God's direction for our lives, to give up our resistance 
and to trust that God's way is the best way and that when we allow him to be the guide of our lives, he will lead us to that abundant, fruitful life that he promised us when we first said yes to Jesus. Now, issues of surrender can surface in a variety of ways and in a variety of times. It can come as God leads us to re-examine some of our own personal wounding from our past that often takes a lifetime to wrestle with and to work through and to continue to find healing from God's Spirit in our lives. It can come as we gain new insights from reading God's Word that challenge us to respond to what God is revealing through the Scriptures and as we allow the Word of God to shape and to mold our thinking and our character it can come uh, as, and, and, and emerge in a form of a relational uh, accountability that, and a call to love others well. Sometimes, as Jesus said, the call is to even love those who we might consider our enemies and, and to, to love somebody with whom we are in conflict might be a, a challenge to, to us to say, are we really obedient to Jesus, to love others in Jesus' name, even when maybe we don't feel like they deserve it? It can come from a confrontation or a conversation with a friend, or it can come from just a time of quiet reflection or while you're driving down the road. But one thing is sure, in order for God to create a realignment with his purposes in our lives, it creates by necessity a decision on our part. And that's how God uses alignment to go after those impediments and those obstacles that are still within us to resist God's leading and direction to go the way that he is inviting us to go. In this season of your life, whether you're in a time of transition or not, or whether you may not even really know, what things might God be inviting you to surrender to Him so that you might come into a greater alignment with the direction that He's wanting to lead you? Is there something that, that has been nagging on your heart that, that you know, and maybe nobody else knows, but between you and God, you know that you've been resisting a work of God because you're wanting to hang on to that issue or hang on to that thing or not let go of whatever that thing is? In what area of your life today might you be experiencing a defining moment or a crisis of belief where God might be inviting you to go back to that moment in the beginning again when you first gave your life to Jesus, when, when, when your, your faith was alive and vibrant, when you were energized by this new experience that you were having with the, the presence of the Holy Spirit and the living God that energized you and, and so that all of life felt like it was new and exciting and vibrant and you had the whole future ahead of you. Do you remember what that was like in the beginning? And that desire that you had to entrust your future to God, knowing that it was in his hands so that you could experience the renewal of your heart and your mind and your soul again in the season ahead. Is it possible that God is leading you into a defining moment in your journey with Jesus right now? 
Because in order to come into greater alignment with Jesus, something always has to be given up in order to gain that something better that God has for our future. What it is for everyone is different, but the process is the same. Like Peter, these invitations to surrender become defining moments for us as followers of Jesus because they test our willingness to put our trust fully in God, to believe what he has said, and to bank our lives on his promise that he will lead us to our best future. They test our willingness to respond in obedience to the new direction into which he is leading us to. Yet even though the challenge to surrender to Christ can be difficult, what we can see in the life of Peter here in Acts 10 is that the prize of surrender is revelation. The prize of surrender is revelation. At the end of verse 29, Peter says, May I ask why you sent for me? And then Cornelius answers, beginning in verse 30. Three days ago, I was in my house, praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. (laughs) Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day, And caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge over the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. You've got to be kidding me. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God, the very same thing they experienced on the day of Pentecost. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have, so we ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. 
In verse 34, we can see that Peter acknowledges himself that this experience has not only become a defining moment for him in his own journey, but it also has become what Walling describes as a destiny moment. A destiny moment is a moment that begins to reveal God's future plan for the believer and one that signals the final stage of transition. Right? Peter says in verse 34, I now realize... How true it is that God does not show favoritism. He has come full circle. He now understands that all of the things that the Bible has talked about, how God doesn't show favoritism, how God's love is for all people, is actually true. <laughs> but it's true now in a whole new way that Peter didn't fully comprehend, that, that the, none of the Jews fully understood until after the Holy Spirit was given and God sent his people through Jesus' disciples to bring this good news message to the whole world. Here Peter has an aha moment that brings everything that God has been doing into clarity and crystallizes God's plan for his future, that God has called him to bring the good news message of Jesus, not just to Jewish Christians, but to non-Jewish people as well. And God has affirmed his presence and his power through the outpouring of his Holy Spirit, the evidence of the presence of God putting his blessing on the things that God calls his people to do. And so breakthrough at the end of a transition often comes at these unexpected moments that are only in God's control and in God's timing. It can come from a conversation with a friend. It can come while you're reading a significant book that, that cuts through the clutter and touches your heart in a new way. It can come from an extended time of looking into the scriptures and reading God's word and allowing the Holy Spirit to use that word to, to change our hearts and our minds. It can come from a key relationship of somebody who's walking with us through a difficult time and their model and their example and the words that God gives them to, to speak into our life somehow helps us to, to see things in new ways. And it can even come through the ways that we are ministering to God by serving him through the church or through our neighborhood or all the ways that we're stepping out to put ourselves into contact with people who might be divine contacts for us that God would reveal to us through them his plans and his purposes for our lives. In the same way that every believer will experience defining moments in the alignment phase, Walling says that in the direction phase, every believer will begin to experience destiny moments, sometimes a series of destiny moments that string together uh, to help us see God's re revelation and clarity that's coming into focus. Walling describes destiny moments as special experiences or events that contain a new insight into where God is leading and what all the work of preparation has been about. It starts to, to dawn on us that all of the struggles that we've been through, all of the waiting that we've had, all of the challenges that God has put before us crystallize into this moment where we begin to go, I see now, God, why you allowed me to go through all those things because it was for this moment that you have been preparing me. And so we see that destiny experiences are moments where Christ begins to lift the fog and bring clarity to what lies ahead. 
Now, this is true not only for Peter's life, but if you know the the stories of God's people in the Bible, you can see a variety of different destiny experiences that people have had throughout the centuries, right? Moses' experience with the burning bush. Samuel's learning to recognize the voice of God in the middle of the night. Or Joseph's entire journey is filled with destiny moments, right? Right? where his elevation from slavery and prison to becoming the second in command over the entire nation of Egypt and ultimately becoming the savior for his people in the midst of a global worldwide famine. Or what about Paul's dramatic encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus that leaves him with a blindness that ultimately opens his life to a new way of seeing Jesus and God's people? See, what we see in these events and in the story of Peter in Acts 10 is that these destiny experiences, number one, affirm God's presence and power in our life. They reveal insight into God's plans and purposes, and ultimately they also begin to change other people as they witness Christ moving in our life and they see the change that's happening as we put our faith and our trust in Jesus. Destiny experiences are those aha moments when we know that we know that we've heard from God, that God has broken through the clutter, and and even if it's not an audible voice, He has spoken clearly into our lives, and all of our transitioning experiences are galvanized into a clear direction for God's future. And it doesn't mean that all the questions have been answered, but that God is now clearly unveiling some of the answers and begins to unfold His plans so that we can say yes and we can follow him in new and fresh ways. Walling says that it's at this stage that there's a sense of fulfillment, there's a sense of completion that comes that gives us the courage to step into this new direction that God is revealing in our lives. As we see here with Peter, destiny moments often include another person or other people who God uses to be these divine contacts to help bring new clarity and understanding to what God is doing and who can help us to find that clarity as we walk this new path that God is revealing. And as the pathway forward begins to emerge, it will require a new level of faith in order to put our trust in God and to trust that he knows what he's doing. Right? Walling says that transitions always end with a faith challenge. And the challenge of faith comes, he says, because the only thing that can be more terrifying than not knowing what God is doing is knowing what God is doing. <laughs> and so it requires deep faith and trust that God is good and that God has your back, and that God is not going to harm you, but he's going to prosper you, and he's going to lead you to a place that's going to become a true blessing for you in your life. And so God uses these destiny experiences to affirm his presence with us, to reveal his plans and his purposes for our lives, and to connect us with the people that he has planned that can help us, both by being a blessing to us and by us being a blessing to them. Now, I just want to suggest real quick that if any of these sermons in this series on transitions are connecting with you in a personal way, 
and you feel like taking a bit of a, a deeper dive into all of this in order to navigate the transition that God might have you in, I want to encourage you to reach out to me or to us as a staff, reach out to the church, and don't let this moment go by because it takes effort and it takes work and we would love to come alongside you and help you walk through the transitions that you find yourself in. And one of the things that Walling has said too that has stuck with me is he says, no one gets to clarity alone. That's what it means to be church together. That's why God has given us the gift of one another. He calls us to walk alongside one another so that we can be those divine contacts, that we can invite those people into our lives and to share our journey so that God can use us through the Holy Spirit to bring clarity and insight so that we can find the answers that we seek. So don't hesitate to reach out. As we wrap up for today... Walling also says there's no formula for breaking out of a transition. But there is one promise, and it's a truth that was modeled by Christ himself. In John 5, Jesus reveals an essential truth that came from his own daily surrender to the will of the Heavenly Father. In John 5, verse 19, Jesus gave them this answer, Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. Do you want to be amazed by God again in this season? Do you want to have that awe-inspiring experience of the presence and the power of the creator of the universe alive and active and caring about your personal story and your personal life and using you to be a blessing to expand his kingdom and to be a part of something that is greater than yourself? I know I do. I mean, coming out of COVID-19 and, and navigating this pandemic and, and, and being in this kind of season of malaise that we all find ourselves in, aren't we all in need of a breakthrough moment in our lives where God opens the door and reveals again that He has not given up on His plan and His call on your life or mine? God knows the brokenness of the culture that we live in. God sees the ways that the world has gone off to hell in a handbasket. And you know what? God is still greater than the world. Our country may no longer be considered a Christian nation, but you know what? God doesn't care. Because the kingdom of God is greater than America. The kingdom of God is greater than any nation in this world. The kingdom of God will last forever. The Bible says that nations rise and fall, kings come and go, but the word of God stands forever. And so we can put our faith and our trust in that God that he has your life in the palm of his hand. And there's nothing that you're going through or that you will experience that he can't see you through and he can't guide you through and he can't bring people around you to comfort you and care for you and to help you get through whatever transition you might be in. A.W. Tozer, who is a phenomenal writer and challenger for me personally of spiritual life and faith, says, faith and belief then is directing the heart's attention to Jesus. 
It's lifting up the mind to behold the Lamb of God. In directing our heart's attention to Jesus, in beholding the Lamb of God, we are setting our gaze on the direction that we desire to go. Setting our hearts on the direction where Christ will lead us. And while we're looking at Jesus, he says, we no longer see ourselves. We will discover relief when we stop trying to tinker with our own souls. With nothing to show for it but repeated failures and mistakes and disappointments. And instead, look away to the Christ who is the only perfect one that we can see. Isn't that what the Bible tells us is how we are to learn to also run the race that he has marked out for each one of us? Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. How? By fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. It's in that spirit, brothers and sisters, that God invites us to take our eyes off of ourselves again, to put them firmly on Jesus and to trust that through his word and through his spirit and through his people, he will bring us to breakthrough moments in our lives so that we can see a new day dawn for you, for me, for Faith Covenant Church, for our nation, and for our world. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you that not only you are a God who does not remain silent, but you speak into our lives, but you are a God who is always, everywhere, active and working in our lives and in your world. Forgive us this morning, God, for the ways that we have become distracted from keeping our eyes on what you're doing by getting so focused on our own lives and looking at our own souls and be worrying about what we are going to do to try and find happiness and wholeness and health without you. God, we thank you for this series on transitions and the understanding that it brings that sometimes when we're going through difficult seasons in life, it's not because you've abandoned us, but it's because you're wanting us to experience breakthrough in our own lives with you and to continue to grow spiritually because of your love for us and your desire to use us to be a blessing to those around us. So God, take these words and take this series and use our church to be a light in the darkness, to be a place of healing and wholeness of people who know how to come alongside one another and to help each other navigate the challenges and the transitions of life as we seek to live the calling of Jesus on our lives, to not only love you with all of our heart and mind and soul, but to love each other and our neighbors as ourselves. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Faith Cove Podcast. Our music was written, performed, and produced by Adam Johnson. For more information about our church community, visit faithcovesumner.com. Until next time!